Hello and welcome to this special episode of Conversations with Sports Fans. I'm your host, Doug Hill, and today I'm delighted to be speaking with friends, fellow educators, and unionists, Frank Berger and Kevin Hickerson. Frank is a 25-year public educator at Carmen Ainsworth High School in Flint Township, Michigan. He currently teaches biology and physical science and serves as the president of the Carmen Ainsworth Education Association. Kevin is also a public school educator in Fairfax County, Virginia. Kevin served as the president of the Fairfax County Education Association from 2016 through 2019 and has also served as one of two East Region Directors for the National Council of Urban Education Associations since 2018. What brings Frank, Kevin, and I together today, however, is auto racing, NASCAR auto racing to be specific. I'm, uh, shall we say, NASCAR curious, and what with the 2023 season kicking off with the Super Bowl of stock car racing in Daytona this Sunday, I thought there was no better time to see what it's all about. Both Kevin and Frank seem well-suited to help me get a handle on the sport, as they're both longtime fans, and more importantly, they're educators, which means they should be able to educate me on some of NASCAR's nuances. Gentlemen, welcome to Conversations with Sports Fans. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us, Doug. Uh, I'm uh, looking forward to to learning a little bit about this. I uh, picked up soccer last year, thanks in large part to Ted Lasso and welcome to Wrexham. The World Cup didn't hurt either. So um, this year's sport of choice is going to, I think, be NASCAR. So I'm counting on the two of you to bring the goods today and help me figure this out because it used to be just watching a bunch of left turns. It's not quite the same anymore, I know. Um, Kevin, before we get started, why don't you give sure. us a little bit about your background as a NASCAR fan? Sure. Um, well, it's, uh, you know, growing up in the Maryland, Virginia area, the DC metro area, you know, you wouldn't think that's like a, you know, a hotbed of racing and it's not necessarily, um, but there are, you know, areas, um, you know, local tracks, um, around there, dirt tracks, especially, uh, Bud's Creek, Maryland. Um, there's old dominion speedway. Um, which was an asphalt track in Manassas. And um, I, I also went to Del Mar uh, Speedway on the Delaware, Maryland border. And, um, you know, my dad took me to these races on Friday nights, Saturday nights. And uh, my uncle um, also rate, uh, raced late modifieds um, at Bud's Creek. Um, wasn't the necessarily the best. Um, he won a couple of heat races here and there. Um, but that was, uh, you know, that's a little bit of my family history. My, um, my granddad also was a, um, pit crew chief, uh, back in the fifties and sixties, uh, at Beltsville Speedway in Prince George's County, Maryland. And so, um, you know, I grew up, uh, watching NASCAR on TNN and, uh, ESPN in the uh, late eighties and early nineties. Um, you know, uh, I had a, um, uh, a pension for uh, Alan Kowicki before he passed away um, and uh, picked up. Uh, I was in on the ground floor on this. This wasn't like a Johnny come lately. I was in on the ground floor on Jeff Gordon in the 93 Daytona 500 um, when he came in, I want to say third place that year. Um, and I was hooked on him from that point forward. Um, and so that's my, a little bit of my background. I've been to multiple races up and down the East coast. Um, looking at Frank's shirt, by the way, I know that this is, um, you know, not 
uh, visual here, but I think we attended the same Daytona 500 if he went to that one um, back in 2017. So, um, you know, it's like kind of, you know, you, you, you don't, re, you know, first time meeting somebody and you still have something in common, even though it's the first time meeting, you know, as a NASCAR fan. So um, I can't wait to hear more from him as well, um, you know, about his NASCAR experience. Thanks, Kevin. Frank, how about you? What, what are your uh, NASCAR bona fides? Lay them on us, please. Well, um, I guess for me, part of it is growing up in the auto city. You know, I grew up in uh, Flint and for those who know what Flint, Michigan is, we are the kind of the motor where the GM got started. So mm-hmm. um, I guess cars are a thing for us in Flint. Um, I, um, I've i always liked watching racing on TV. It's very interesting to see um, everything that happens. And um, I first got into racing because of my dad. Um, my dad was a huge NASCAR fan. And actually my uncle, uh, my dad's brother, was also a huge NASCAR fan. My ex, my uncle used to get us tickets uh, to races at Michigan International Speedway. He was he worked for Tom Ryan Distributing up in here, which is a uh, beer distributing uh, agency up here in Flint, Michigan. Drove all you know, drove uh, all over the the county and area, and he would oftentimes get us tickets to races, particularly at Michigan International Speedway. And I absolutely love going every summer to Michigan International Speedway. I still have season tickets for, for MIS. It it saddens me that we only have one race now at MIS. We used to have two races at MIS. It saddens me because uh, MIS now is considered the fastest, pretty much the fastest track on NASCAR. Um, it's it's absolutely wonderful. Um I, too, like Kevin, have been a huge Jeff Gordon fan my, my entire uh, life uh, following his career. Um, I pretty much followed the Hendrick Motorsports teams. I've always liked Hendrick Motorsports. I just like the organization. I like the way that Rick Hendrick operates. Um, after Jeff Gordon retired, I then went on to follow the career of Jimmy Johnson all through. And then Jimmy Johnson's kind of retired off into the sunset. Of course, he's now coming back into nascar for limited races uh this year as a park car car owner uh as well this year uh and really late as of late i've actually been kind of following uh, a couple of different drivers uh one in particular i really like is actually bubba wallace uh just because of the the diversity that he brings to the sport um and the other driver that i really like obviously he's a hometown boy right here in my backyard of flint michigan here over in byron and that's eric jones and uh eric has done a lot of good for uh, the area. He's done a lot of help with reading initiatives in our area. Um, and I think it's just absolutely wonderful what he's done. And so that's kind of where, you know, I've, I've gone with NASCAR and love it. I've been to several different tracks. Uh, I've been to MIS. I've been to Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, I've been to Richmond uh, International Raceway. Well, me Richmond International Raceway. Uh, but I have to say my absolute favorite track that I've ever been to is Bristol Motor Speedway, the world's fastest half-mile track. There is nothing White light going to auto racing at Bristol. And I have lots of stories to tell because for the last several years, uh, at least when they had the night race in August, uh, my mom and dad and I would truck down to um, Bristol Motor Speedway. We'd stay down in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, which is about an hour, maybe an hour, an hour, 20 minutes from the track. And we'd go up for the night race uh, at Bristol. And we've got a lot of memories of what it's been like at uh, Bristol Motor Speedway. It's Bristol, baby. Absolutely. Uh, well, there, I don't even really know where to begin. Um, 
is you know i kind of referenced i i will occasionally tune in i will watch you know the daytona 500 i will turn it on i will certainly devote some time to it um and in in view the race shoot a few weeks ago i even tuned in to to see them racing in the los angeles coliseum of all places but i know it was an exhibition but nonetheless kind of fascinating to see them running on such a tight little course um under the lights um it was it was enjoyable so as someone who is, you know, interested in the sport, but not necessarily in the thick of it just quite yet, like the two of you are, um, what suggestions do you have for me? What are some races that are not to be missed to, to tune into? Um, you know, are there, you've all tossed out some driver's names, but are there drivers that I should become a little more interested in? And, you know, I'll open it up. Whoever would like to go first, please regale me. I would say you definitely have to watch Bristol. And I would say both Bristol races, but especially the spring race at Bristol, because the spring race at Bristol now, they race on dirt track. Because that's how NASCAR got its start, was on on dirt track racing. And for the spring race, I don't remember the exact date in April, but it's in April, it's the spring race. Um, they will be racing. They literally bring dirt, and they put dirt around that half-mile track. And it's, it's, it's fun to watch, to see what happens, the way those cars operate, uh, on the dirt track so that i i would definitely say you've got to watch bristol because bristol is just it's just such an exciting track to watch racing uh at. i mean and there's no if you ever go to bristol there's not a bad seat anywhere at bristol uh motor speedway i mean it's it's an absolutely phenomenal uh experience to to go to the bristol motor speedway up in this little teeny town of of bristol tennessee i mean it's not it's not that big of a town but right nascar racing comes to town it i think there's probably close to three four hundred thousand people that are coming into town for for those races yeah that's you know frank mentions a, a great one i mean right off the bat i mean bristol is the best i so you know when you start out watching racing i mean the daytona 500 is a is a fine race and it's a good race to go to um especially for the spectacle of it all i mean it is it is something to walk out on the track and and see the stands and to see the crowd and the different celebrity and and it's a fresh start to the season so there's something about it i would say for the casual fan um you know, you have to really like, like, I know this sounds tough, but you have to buck up and just go to a race because the, 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 the experience of, um, going to a race and watching it on TV is totally, is totally different. You don't get like the speed, uh, factor until you actually go to the race. I, I told a casual person, uh, he was actually on the, uh, uh, this was during the gubernatorial campaign in 2017. I was at the Richmond Raceway and the governor, uh, the uh, uh, Ralph Northam was there, um, you know, I guess campaigning or whatever. And his, uh, the guy, the chief of staff who had never been to a race before, he said, you know, he was like, this is this is interesting. This is weird. I said, what you need to do is as the race is going on. I want you to just take a walk by the fence as they're at full speed. And because like you will never experience anything as something coming at you 140, 150 miles per hour um, while you're just basically standing there. And, and he did it and he emailed me later and he's like, you're right. I'm hooked. That was, that was something. So the, just going to a racetrack and I have to agree anything short track, um, you know, you get Martinsville. That's one of my favorite tracks. Martinsville is a, is a good track. Um, you know uh, the, the short tracks are, you know, a dying breed though in, uh, NASCAR in NASCAR over the last like 
two decades. Uh, they got rid of North Wilkesboro, for instance. Um, and, uh, you know, they've, they've reduced the amount of tracks. They changed Bristol to dirt. Um, you know, uh, Richmond is not the same as it was, say, 20 years ago. Um, but Dover, same thing. They, they reduced that to one race a year. So, you know, anything you can do to just go into – you know, a smaller racetrack, a smaller venue is good. Um, I would have to say, um, you know, going to something, uh, a bigger track, as long as you, I think if you get a higher up, so you're able to see, um, is the, is the way to go. So something like Michigan, um, you know, it'd probably be, you know, you'd probably want to get a little bit higher to be able to see everything around the track. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do have to say, but if you're going to catch something on TV, you know, Daytona is fine. Um, you know, I think Atlanta is a good race on TV. Um, and, um, uh, the, I'm sorry, Darlington, Darlington is a good race as well. Um, that's, that's a lot. Of, there's a, anything with you get some beating and banging going on is, is preferable. Beating and, sure. and banging. Okay. And Darlington has what it's known for is the Darlington stripe. When the cars yeah. race around it, they literally, when they scrape, they scrape that wall and you'll see it's, it's fun to watch those cars as they come around on those turns. Yep. And to see which one has what they call that Darlington stripe. Yep, because that's how they get speed. They get they, they as close as they can get to the wall. You're like you want to avoid the wall, but they're like no, you want to stay about an inch off the wall the entire time. And it takes us. That's what I love about it. It's the particular skill to be able to do something 400 times around a track, at, and and try to hit the same marks every single time. You know, is it, it takes a hand eye coordination skill. Um, and foot skill because you're feathering the brakes and the throttles. And, you know, to me, that's just, it's something I know that I could never do. Um, I have mass respect for it because it's not just a Sunday walk in the park of just like, Oh, we're just going to, you know, turn left. I mean, they're, they're slinging a 35 pound hundred, a 3,500 pound car and doing G forces, you know, six to seven G's at a time. Um, you know, that to me is remarkable. My, my sum total of experience seeing live racing is um, two trips to MIS to see Indy cars because, of course, I'm a native Hoosier, so near and dear to my heart is Indy racing and saw a, a tremendous race, I think, that was won by Tom Sneva by like two one thousandths of a second or something like that, I think, over Rick Mears, which was, it was, you talk about the speed, yes, I, I know that this is probably a uh, a sport best consumed live, at least on occasion, to really get the feel for it. And then the other thing is just, you know, going to some uh, tracks that used to exist in near my home here in Mount Clemens, Michigan. There was a Mount Clemens, uh, I think, Speedway for a while. And a friend of my uh, mine from high school, his one of his buddies raced and had a racing team. And we'd go and see them on occasion. And it was, it was enjoyable, but I never you got immersed in it um, quite the way that I think some do. Now... I know that earlier in our conversation, I, I heard Frank mention Hendrick Motorsports. Um, I know that there are several different teams that are out there, um, but I also heard folks talk about drivers. So is it the team? Is it the driver? Is it a sponsor? I mean, who, who do we choose to root for and, and what are some of the rationale for that? Frank, I'll let you go first since you mentioned Hendrick specifically. Well, I, I've always, I guess I started liking Hendrick Motorsports, number one, because they drive Chevrolets. Hendrick has always been a Chevrolet guy. Being a union man from Flint, Michigan, and the I, I literally live about three miles from where the, the famous sit-down strike for the UAW 
occurred. Yeah. So I've always believed in supporting our union manufactured uh, vehicles. And um, so I guess that's why I really liked Hendrick Motorsports and, and the teams that he has uh, put out there over the years. I mean, he's he has a way of, I think, Rick Hendrick. And of course, now Jeff Gordon is now vice president underneath Rick uh, Hendrick there at Hendrick Motorsports. I think they've always had a great way of developing young drivers into uh, the sport. Um, I mean, from the, the early days of Jeff Gordon to the early days of Jimmy Johnson and so on and so forth, they've always had a great, you know, great teams. And even now they've got great teams. You know, Hendrick's had a great team with, with the drivers that he's got racing underneath him. Um, but I pretty much always stuck with supporting um, Chevrolet drivers. I've always had, I guess for me, I've always had an issue with Toyota being in NASCAR racing, just because being from Flint, Michigan, being a union person, strong union person that you know I am, Doug, yeah. um, seeing a non-union car manufacturer racing in American racing, it just, I guess it just doesn't always set well with me. But I, I understand that they're one of the major manufacturers out there. And it's kind of interesting, too, because at MIS each year, they have the manufacturer's uh, trophy as well that goes to the, the winning manufacturer as they come uh, through Michigan, because obviously racing in Michigan, the, they're in the backyard of the big three uh, automakers there. So it's always interesting to see which manufacturer is going to take home the checkered trophy at, at uh, MIS. And actually at MIS, Ford has been the, the overall winner over several years at, yeah. at Michigan International Speedway. Yeah. Kevin? And, that, and that's, and that's a, you know, it's a tricky, it's a tricky thing, you know, like some like NASCAR fans, I mean, the once I, what I found about NASCAR fans is like, once they, once they get into something, they're pretty dang loyal to it. And, you know, so it, whether it's a manufacturer, right. You know, if they're a manufacturer lover, you know, as a Chevy or a Ford, you don't get very many like Toyota stands though. You don't get very many people going, yeah, Toyota. It's mainly like a Chevy. It's like a Chevy Ford, like, you know, like dichotomy but when it comes to like toyota they both like will aim their firepower against toyota uh folks um and so that you've got that but then you're right sometimes it's a driver you know like you know you have like uh when uh, dale earnhardt senior had i mean you know so many fans um and when he died in 2001 at daytona um you know people kind of did a, a almost a split where they went you know, they were kind of Earnhardt Jr. fans to begin with. So they 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 kind of moseyed over on there, although some stayed with uh, Kevin Harvick when he took over the car at that time. So, you know, it was like a whole like, you know, the manufacturer, there was the good wrench thing that, you know, they were supporters of that. So, yeah, you'll get some people who are like, you know, sponsor specific. You know, uh, I do. I, I collect um you know, trading cards and uh, collectibles. So you'll have people who are like, they're really into certain uh, manufacturers. I, I have one guy that I know that's really into Sherwin, whoever sponsors the Sherwin uh, or whoever drives the Sherwin Williams car loves Sherwin Williams patches and it doesn't matter who it is or whatever it is. So you'll, you get that. Um, my my choice of driver recently was, um, you know, when Jeff Gordon retired, I was like, all right, I'm a free agent. Okay, I could go naturally to Chase Elliott, you know, or something like that, as he took over that car. But then I was like, well, let's see, let's let's see how it plays out. And so um, 
I was looking at Xfinity because that's the series below. And I was like, cause I wanted somebody that I could root for, for potentially for years. Um, I'm a, I guess a serial monogamist when it comes to uh, NASCAR fandom. Um, and so uh, Daniel Suarez, I, I had my eye on him and Eric Jones was another one. It was uh, Jones and Suarez and um, Suarez won on my birthday uh, at Michigan uh, when he uh, passed um, uh, Kyle Bush on, I think it was like the last lap um, and won. And I was like, all right, sold. I think that's going to be my dude for the rest of the time. So uh, until he, until he gets out. Um, and so I've filed, I've followed him through Toyota. Um, you know, I, he went to Ford and then I believe he's now with uh, Trackhouse and they're a Chevy. And so it's like I followed him. So the manufacturers didn't necessarily bother me as much as just the driver himself. Um, and so, yeah, I, I and I also I also know that there's like a lot of people who, you know, uh, yuck other people's yums. I, I do not. I am a big fan of like whoever you are a fan of, whatever you like. That's cool. I dig it. I, I kind of see it as more of a like a. A, a big brother and sisterhood of just people enjoying fast cars and, you know, uh, the competition. Interesting. Interesting. So really you could be a fan of a sponsor. That, that's a thing. People, people dig the, the especially like beer menu, like the beer sponsors, yeah. okay. like, you know, Oh, I'm a Coors light guy. Oh, I'm a Miller light guy. Uh, you know, and yeah, they'll, they'll, you know, people will be in the stands saying stupid stuff to each other about like beer. And it's like, do we have something better to fight about? I mean, come on, you know? So yeah, no, you get, you'll get like that. Um, but the, the manufacturer is where it's really at though. The manufacturer. Okay. Now you, you referenced um, the Xfinity series, which is, I mean, this is another one of the issues, not issues that I have, but something I have a difficult time kind of comprehending is that on a race weekend, there are certainly multiple races that, that take place, correct? At different levels. And then sometimes a driver in like a Friday race or a Saturday race may also be the driver in a Sunday race. Yep. So help me understand that if you could. Anybody. So, yeah, no. So, so yeah, no, there's, in in NASCAR itself, they they have the truck series, they have the Xfinity series, and um, they have the um, the Cup series, and you know those three levels, you know your your truck series, you generally get like your you know your up and comers, you know honestly the way that NASCAR is structured right now, it's almost like pay to ride in those in those in those series, um, where you know you'll have a young driver whose dad is like a, a CEO of some company or something like that. And they pump some money into the truck series. Um, and, and sometimes you'll get a lot of veterans in those series as well. Like, you know um, uh, for instance, uh, I'm trying to uh, off the top of my head. Ah, I can't remember his name. He won a few years ago. Anyway, it doesn't matter. What matters is that you'll get some veterans there. They'll, they'll ride, uh, in the truck series, like Matt Crafton is, is, uh, is a name that comes off the top of my head. Um, he's been in there for years. Uh, Ron Hornaday was another driver that, you know, didn't necessarily make it in the cup series. He wrote, he ran a few races there, but his truck series was where he was at and it was fine. Um, and then if they're good enough or if they're, 
if they're marginally good and they have sponsorship, uh, they'll go to the Xfinity level because the Xfinity level, they're trying to see who can get to the cup level, but they're also trying to survive there as well. So if you can bring some sponsorship, Haley Deegan comes to mind. Um, you know, she's, she's like, to me, she's, I think she's an okay driver. I think she's fine. Um, but at the same time, I think it's because of her, you know, personality and that she's a, a woman driver that helps, you know, bring in some sponsors that help, you know, uplift uh, teams, you know, and, you know, getting eyeballs is just as much as important as skill uh, for, for most of these teams. So, um, and then to further complicate further things, uh, Doug, is that the, there's an art, the Menards Arca series, which is, which is now part of the NASCAR umbrella. Um, and that's like, I don't know. I, I watch those on occasion um, when I'm feeling, I guess, like I, I don't know, not nothing better than do, but it's just, it's just not as competitive as the, uh, the NASCAR, the three top NASCAR series. So I don't watch those as much. Yeah. yeah Frank, I'm sorry. I would say, I would say the same thing. You know, you have all these different races and it's interesting to see, especially when you see cup drivers that like to also still race in the Xfinity series, yeah. uh, Kyle Busch is one for me that comes to mind. You will oftentimes see Kyle Busch on a race weekend. He will race in all three series. I mean, and I think for Kyle, it's his love of the sport. Kyle just likes to race. I mean, you'll see. I mean, I'm, I think I remember one year when we were going to Bristol, my mom and dad and I, and I think Kyle swept all three races that weekend at Bristol. Yeah, he brought the broom out. Yeah, he brought them all out. I mean, he won the, the truck series, he won the Xfinity, and then he ended up on Saturday night winning the, the Cup Series race. I think for a lot of the drivers, it's just they love racing so much. They want to be out there as much as they uh, possibly can. Now, what's interesting, I think, with the rules now, obviously, like the Cup drivers, they can only, if they're in the Cup Series, that's where they're earning their points in their championship. But, like, Take like Kyle Busch, if he's racing in the Xfinity series, he's not getting points towards the the yeah. winning the Xfinity Cup series because you can only take points in one of the series. I see. Okay. Yeah. That was a rule they changed a few years ago. Yeah, and and he has his own he has his own team down there too. Yeah. Um Kyle Kyle Busch Motorsports. So he races, I think he he's scheduled for five this year in the truck series. And he does that for the love of the racing, but he also does that because he knows that sponsors will back him and pump his team up and give him enough money to cover the other drivers on his in his Kyle Busch Motorsports stable. So yeah. that that helps him, you know, uh balance the budget every year. So for someone who is, again, pretty oblivious to a lot of what we've been discussing so far, if I, I assume that, you know, we'll use Hendrick Motorsports or Penske, another one that I know of, uh, presumably they have teams at both the Cup Series level and the Xfinity level, I would guess, or, or do they only focus on one? Hendrick mostly focuses on Cup. Now, okay. Hendrick works a lot with JR Motorsports, which is Dale Jr.'s. Yep. Okay. series. Yep. They work. A lot of the shops will work with each other. I mean, they're all headquartered down there in North Carolina, most of them. Yeah. Um, they will work together. Um, in terms of that, you know, for example, one 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 team might provide engines for another team or vice versa with a lot of that stuff. But um, I know like Hendrick, I say he he works with JR Motorsports because that's Steel Jr.'s uh racing teams. Okay. I in that's good for me to know. Thank you. So where I was going with that was let's yep. say that, you know, driver a um, gets injured on some Sunday 
in the cup series and has an injury that is going to keep him out for a while. Uh, wasn't didn't Hamlin got hurt last year, I think, right? No, somebody, somebody was injured last year. If I'm not mistaken, uh, and missed Kurt Bush. Bush. Kurt Bush. Yes. He's still um, out. Yeah. So <laughs> who, who comes into backfill? Is that then someone from quote unquote, the minor leagues, the Xfinity series that is affiliated with that team in some capacity, or is it just some, you know, is, is Frank Berger next man up and he's going to be in the car tomorrow? I, I mean, how does that work? It depends. It, it all depends on like, like, so if it's the day of, right, sometimes they'll have like an emergency backup drivers around just in case something were to happen. And so sometimes, but a lot of times it's tied to the manufacturer. It goes back to the manufacturer. So you generally won't see a Toyota driver, you know, going for a Ford, like, you know, in for somebody that's driving a Ford. So you know, sometimes it's, uh, you know, an up and coming, you know, person that they want to stick in. Sometimes they're just like, you know, let's just put somebody solid in there that we know is not going to wreck the equipment that is going to keep it pointed forward. And we can come out of here with a top 20 finish maybe and salvage a point stay. So it just all the really depends on who's who's around and what their contingency plans are. Um, I know during the COVID year that they were really, that was one of the years that they were like really scrambling around just to make sure that they had, you know, people available and ready. Um, so yeah, sometimes you'll get somebody, I know, um, you know, for instance, Ty Gibbs filled in uh, last year when Kurt Bush was removed. Um, uh, uh, Bubba Wallace took over his car and Ty Gibbs took over Wallace's car. Um, and so that's how that worked out. And so, yeah, that's, that's how it rolls sometimes most, most often. And it's, okay. I would, and I would back that up. I mean, it's, it's interesting to see who they end up putting in the, in those vehicles when it happens. And, you know, he mentioned the COVID year that was, that was, they were really scrambling during the COVID year because I think NASCAR had some of the strictest protocols when it, when they came back to racing, because they NASCAR did. hired so many, they hired doctors and everything to help them out when they, cause you know, they stopped the season for quite a while when everything shut down for COVID and then they restarted and then they had all these, they started all the races back up at Darlington, but they were so strict with them. And I mean, even during that season, I know, cause like for one week, I think Jimmy Johnson was out because he tested positive for COVID. And I, I don't remember off the top of my head, which driver raced his car. That was his actually last year. And, uh, when he was retiring from Hendrick, but like I say, it's it's interesting to see, and they always have to have backup drivers, like you say, Doug, mm -hmm. for, for injuries. Or I know sometimes they talk about if a driver's uh, a lot of them, some are married, and their their might their wife might be expecting a child, and they might have to step away from the car at a moment's notice yeah. when, if their wife goes into labor. Yeah. So this is just a complete bird walk now, but you reference you know, wife going into labor, stepping away from the car. Are they able to trade drivers during a race? Yes, they've been able to do that before. And it's swap out. Okay. Yeah. So, so what happens is, is that whoever starts the race gets the points. So if let's go back to the, like, I don't know, Jimmy Johnson example, right. And Jimmy Johnson starts the race. If he wasn't feeling well that day, he has a sickness. They, he might be able to, you know, you know, troll it around the track a little bit until the first caution, you know, stage break or whatever it is, he'll get out of the car. They'll put somebody in and they'll go from there. And, but Jimmy Johnson earns the points for the whole race. And that begets another question. And we're going to get into points in just a second here, but in terms of earning the points, 
is it the driver that earns the points or is it the car that earns the points? And I think I just heard Kevin say it was the driver, but I, I just also heard him say it's both. So it's both. It is both. He's right. It is both of them. And then there's also at the end of the season, there's the manufacturer's championship. So. Right. Yeah. Last year, there was an interesting situation on the way because Kurt Busch won a race and he was eligible for the playoffs when he said that he was not going to race in the playoffs that opened up a spot. And through some machinations, it, it worked its way out to where at the end of the year, the the winner of the the, the drivers championship could all, possibility that it wouldn't be the same one on the owners championship as well. So it was kind of like a weird thing. There was a lot of people going, oh, you know, that a lot of NASCAR people were just going, I can't, you can't do this, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, they're not the same. They're not the same. It's not the same thing. Um, and, and that's actually where the money is, by the way, is on the team side of things. It's not with the driver. So um, there was like a talk of like, you know, the, 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 I, I can't remember off the top of my head who it was, but they were, they were fighting just as hard. Um, those top four drivers who were running for the championship, the fifth driver was like trying to his best to get in front of him because that they would get a pile of cash, you know, that would be uh, tantamount to any championship. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So points again, it, when I was younger and simpler times watching races, as far as I know, they just ran races. And at the end of the day, Whoever won got a trophy, probably a nice check, and some points that they were building toward at the time was probably a Winston Cup championship or something like that. But that's kind of it. It repeated, you know, week after week after week. Um, now, I, as I understand it, and I'm always confused by this when I, as a casual fan, just tune in. They talk about stage one, stage two, final stage, laps led, this that I, I think they may even get if they have the nicest shoes maybe they get a point or something i'm not sure <laughs> so um help break that down for someone like myself who really doesn't understand any of that what what is going on now each week as we watch a race frank can you start on this one please sure um so you know when they start racing now, and they I don't know how many years now they've been doing the stage racing. It's been, I think, at least four or five years, maybe it's, longer. I'm Is thinking it? I'm thinking seven or eight right now. Well, yeah. it, it was interesting. At first, I'll be honest, I didn't like it. I hated it at first. I didn't like any of it. I think I just wanted the straight points. Let's race and whoever's the winner in the season. But now I've gotten used to watching, and it's interesting to watch them compete for stage races because you'll hear the talk on tv okay this is the winner of stage one this is the winner of stage two and then of course the the end of the race as well and in terms of who's won uh each stage well they get bonus as they work their way through the season they get bonus points if they win stages and sometimes you know at the end of the season it's the top 16 drivers that qualify for uh the nascar playoffs and sometimes those stage points for drivers are critical to making the playoff structure because once they win a race they're automatically into the the championship they pretty much have raced their way into the championship but sometimes for drivers who haven't won a race because usually every year there's one or two drivers that haven't won a race but they make the playoff sometimes they make it in based on their their playoff points and they are excuse me their their uh, stage win points and it was interesting a few years ago i don't remember the exact driver who it was but they talked it might have been martin truex jr he had so many stage wins 
that they said he it would carry him all the way to the final race and he wouldn't because after you know each set of races in the playoffs they eliminate four drivers so they get down to the final four but like those stage wins can get you like i say extra points and and all the way and carry you all the way down to well it used to be homestead miami where they ended now it's phoenix where they they end the raceway which is still baffling to me that they continue to change where they end the season um but the stage points, it's interesting to watch because as you are watching a race in person, you'll see the drivers really jockeying for position to win that stage. I mean, it gets very, I know just being at Michigan International Speedway, watching the drivers um, competing at the end of a stage, watching them uh, try and race past each other and get uh, things, you know, through, try to get in there and get that stage win because they're given points uh in terms of the top 10 spots uh in that stage win so it's interesting to watch them and see how competitive they get through each stage of the race and it's interesting to see the way the stages are put together usually the first two stages are a little bit shorter the third and final stage is, is longer now some races will end up having four stages in it i think like the charlotte charlotte when it's 600 miles race on memorial day weekend that usually has mm-hmm. uh four different um just because it's a longer race, but most, most races are three, pretty much three stages uh, in most of the tracks that they go to. Kevin. And, and so the, the old point system, like there used to be like, I think the one that you're talking about, Doug was up until like 2004. And that's when they, they started doing the, um, the chase for the cup uh, for the last 10 races. Um, They changed the point system at that, at that time, it used to be where you led a lap, you got five points, you led the most laps, you got another five points. Um, And then there was just some sort of system. It was like, uh, it, it went, it went down five points up to the top 10, then it was down four points and then down three points. And it was just like, convoluted this one's a little bit like it, it was simpler i thought when they flipped it in 2004 until they got to the stage and, and frank i looked it up it was 2017 when they started um flip they, they flipped to the stages and you i think what you said is correct in the sense of like they really like before yeah there was a time where you would just be like you know making sure you made your, your car made it into the last third of the race you know you wanted to to keep it you didn't want to use the brakes up too much. You didn't want to do anything. But now everybody is busting tail to make sure that they finish in the, you know, the, the, you know, the, the, the top 10 at the end of a stage. But there's also things like there's strategy behind it. So like if you're at Pocono or if you're at one of the, uh, like, it, I think they're ending it this year. I think they're running it through the road course races now, but especially Pocono um, where you could pit and be back out in front but you can if you want a good point stay that day you just wait to everybody pits and now you'll win the stage and you'll add that to if you're points racing for the entire season it, it adds a little bit of strategy that i think is you know i think i don't know it's like a chess game it's but it's a 36 week chess game at that point where you're thinking about you know, 10 weeks down the line instead of just that moment. And so I think that adds a little bit of intrigue this year. They're, um, they're stopping the uh, we're going to have stage breaks for road course races, um, but they're just going to award the points for the top 10 at that time because they thought it took some strategy out of the road course races, but you know, uh, we'll see how that works out. I, I, I always liked that because I did like the chance for, drivers to be able to peel off and other drivers to point race and i i think there was two different agendas that were working there which made it a lot interesting a lot more interesting now you referenced the state uh, uh 
a break. So is that mean we stop racing? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So they, they, they throw a yellow and, um, you know, everybody, they'll bunch the field back up. It's uh, it, Doug. It's the, it's the great American pastime of selling commercials. That's, that's okay. what they're doing. That's, that's what, that's why they have the stage breaks is because they want more green flag action, but honestly to, and I put that in air quotes, everybody, cause I know you can't <laughs> see it. Um, but the, but they do that because, you know, Fox and NBC like to sell, they, they still do the same amount of commercials during the green flag racing. I, I have not seen a difference um, in, you know, stopping the stages and having commercials. I think that's just a ruse um, to, you know, a talking point. So um, yeah, it, yep. uh, there it's, there's a big, that's a big divide in NASCAR fandom though. Uh, it's probably, I would say, I don't know, 60 to 70% of the fans don't like those stage breaks at all. They don't like the stopping of the races. They like to it just to keep on going because they see so, it as like artificially throwing, I don't know, throwing a, it's like artificially throwing a penalty flag out there, let's say in football and saying, ah, we're just stopping it. You know, we're just stopping right. stuff. Everybody get a rest. I mean, it's no different than a TV timeout in basketball or football or what have you, I presume, but um, to, to be able to sell the commercials and, and everything yes. else that has to happen. Um, but so you're racing, you're racing, you're racing, you're racing, and you get to the magic lap number, let's say 30, if that's it. And boom, it's a yellow flag and we, everybody bunches up again. And then we start again and we race and we race and we race. We get the lap 60 and another yellow flag. And then we race and race and race and race. And then this third and final stage, if let's say it's at, lap 130 the checkered flag comes out and that's the end of the race so is whoever's leading then are they the winner of the race and the third stage or is there some other thing that i'm not aware of here um usually i think i mean usually most of the time okay at the end of the race who's won that's they've won that particular stage but but what you need to understand is a driver can walk away from a race. They may not win the race, but they may have won stage one and stage two of a race and are still walking away with a healthy chunk of points yep. towards winning the cup later on in the season. Okay. Um, and that gets, I think it's really interesting too when you talk about the, the racing and that, because for example, after the playoffs start, the last 10 races of the season, um, basically what's happening is you, you still have the drivers that are not in the playoffs. They're still racing. And harmonize, it's interesting to see those drivers sometimes get even more competitive during the playoffs because they want to win. They have nothing to lose. And oftentimes you'll, you won't see your playoff drivers. They may not win. They may not always win a race right at the beginning of the playoffs. It may be a non, a non playoff driver who's winning a couple of races during the, the, the playoff time. And they want to make sure they have their, their ride next year and everything. So they're, they're, they're busting tail, Doug, the, even like the, even further confused things that it get to the end of the race. Right. And there's two, three laps left. Right. And a caution comes out. Now we're talking what's called a green, white checker where, um, and it's unlimited attempts at, you know, starting, they'll start with two laps to go, the green flag, you get around if if there's no caution by the time you get to the start finish line that's the white flag and that means that then whatever happens next whether it's uh the guy makes it to the finish line or there's a caution flag that ends the race but there and they'll have unlimited attempts so there's sometimes like say at daytona coming up where 
they get in a wreck on the first or second turn because they're like really they're not giving anything at that point. Sometimes it takes like three or four of those things and you're just like going like you're rolling your eyes at the back of your head. You're just going, can you all just like lie, just stay in formation until you get to the start finish line and then just you can have at it at the last lap. What We don't care, but just we just want to go home at that point. Um, I, I believe that I witnessed one of those um, last year at some point i swear i was watching one and it just it never seemed to end the race just kept going and the announcer said okay another you know what green white checker we're going to attempt it again and they tried it again and it didn't work that time and then another time and i want to say it was three times so fascinating to me this um this is interesting thank you for this guys um now you referenced the playoffs i think we need to talk about that as well um so you're accumulating these points all year long. And how many is it? The top 16 make it? Top 16. Yep. Top 16. So invariably, when you're talking about fields of 30, what, 32 or whatever, 30? What's a what's 30, a field? So there's 30, there's 36 charters. Okay. Uh, so there's yeah, so you're talking less than half the the regular field. You can get yeah. up to 40 cars in on the track at once, but 36 charters. Okay, so you've got a field of 36. You've got 16 that are in the playoffs. That means 20, and I was never a strong math teacher, but even I can handle that, that 20 are not in the in the playoffs. And I would agree with what I heard earlier, that some of those guys are racing for rides for next year. They're trying to ensure that they're not being relegated or you know no longer back. So they're going to have an ax to grind, as it were, and, and want to prove something. But I would also imagine, and maybe this does or does not happen, if they're racing on the same team as someone who is in the playoffs, is there some strategy there that they're going to try and assist that teammate? Or is it every man and, and woman for themselves when we get into this playoff time? I guess I would say that, you know, I've seen – especially like when I followed Hendrick Motorsports, there were times when, like out of the four drivers, obviously Jeff, Jeff Jimmy all times made the chase, but there were the other drivers that did not. I mean, I think, you know, the important thing is, especially I know with some teams, they'll, the owner will want to make sure that they're not wrecking each other. But at times, it is all man for themselves because they are competing for that, in essence, that cup at the end of the season. But I think it's important, you know, I think it goes back to the, you know, they're still racing. They're trying to prove themselves as a racer to to continue to get sponsorships for the following season, to continue to have a ride for the following season, because that that is becoming an issue now with NASCAR is that um, sponsorships are becoming harder and harder to get for a lot of these uh, race teams. And, and oftentimes you'll hear during the off season, you know, this driver, we're still looking for a ride for this particular driver because they're they're missing a sponsorship or whatever is going on but i i think overall as teams they tend to work together but once again there is still all man for themselves when it comes to the competing for that that championship yeah so the teams will yeah often do i agree agree with frank they'll you know they're like you know monday through saturday say you know on a normal race week they're you know making sure that you know all their cars are you know try to be as tip top as possible sometimes they'll swap uh uh, crew members, you know, pit, pit crew members, just, you know, see if there's chemistry and blah, blah, blah. But, um, you know, once Sunday comes around, you know, yeah, they may lay, they may let somebody, they may cut some slack if they won't lap them or something like that. But for it's for all intents and purposes, they are, they are racing and making sure that they win. And, you know, just because they're teammates doesn't mean they like each other. Um, you know, when, 
there's like, you know, there was some contention last year. You could, you could feel it on the Joe Gibbs team, you know, just by, just by watching their demeanor and and everything around each other was because Kyle Bush was exiting stage right uh, out of that team. And, um, you know, I know that Stuart Haas a few years ago had some, you know, some sticky situations, Um, even Hendrick, you know, there, there are times where, you know, you're kind of like, you know, uh, you can look at it and go, yeah, they're not necessarily all comfortable with each other and they don't necessarily all like each other. Yeah, sure. They're putting on the face for the cameras and everybody else, but more often than not, like I said, they're, uh, and Frank said, it's they're they're racing, they're surviving. They're trying to, they're trying to make it on their own. You know, I'll, I'll talk about, there was a story. I remember one time watching a race, I think it was out at Texas motor speedway and Jeff and Jimmy were racing each other really hard. And I think mm-hmm. Jeff outraced Jimmy may have nicked Jimmy. And I remember hearing on the, the chatter on the radio, something about old seven time didn't like that. Yeah. And that's, a, <laughs> Oh, but, and, and, Oh man, I know we're going to get to it, but that's like one of the coolest things about NASCAR is that you can just hear the smack talk as they're driving. Um, I remember one time uh, I was at Daytona and I was listening to Jeff Gordon's channel and you know, they have this thing called the lucky dog when it's like the caution and they let like somebody who's the, like the, the least amount of laps down ahead and they let them get their lap back. It's a way to prevent like people racing back on a yellow flag safety and everything, which is good. But there was a guy that just kept on, he, he, he was like, he was like seven or eight laps down and he kept, they, they kept on wrecking and he kept on getting this lucky dog. And Jeff Gordon was like, dang, how many, how many laps is he down? Like, you know, Jesus, you know, and, or like, you know, there'd be like something like you're actually behind this driver, like you're actually racing this guy for, and this guy shouldn't be around you. And they're like, they're like, yeah, this driver is ahead of you. You're racing this person. That's how bad you are right now. And, and, you know, you, you hear the, the smack talk and there's a, there's a segment on Fox sports that they do called radioactive that you should check out at some point, because they're like, if he comes in him again, I'm going to nail that SOB to the wall. You know, there, they, there's, there's no love loss. Once the, once the, the, the green flag goes down, they will go after each other. Okay. Well, you, I mean, you brought it up um, yep. in, in terms of just, how immersive one can get into this. I would Mm -hmm. say that it's probably at the forefront of most, if not all spectator sports out there, the amount of access that you have on a race day. Now, certainly there's things that I'm sure that are not available to you you and I, but as a fan, there are opportunities for you to be, you know, certainly we see the onboard cameras, the, all the different angles and everything that you have, you know, just visually, but you also have the audio piece for someone who is much further down the continuum of race fandom, how much do you enjoy that? And how much do you get out of that? I really, I really enjoy listening to the, the, the chatter on the radio um, because you really hear the, you really are hearing the, the strategies that the teams are trying to use and what's their strategy. Oh, I'm going to pit now. No, I'm not going to pit now. We're going to pit later. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Um, I mean, I would literally say on that those channels, it's no holds barred with some of the language that you hear on some of those those channels. Um, and you, I mean, every driver you can and, and you can pull up their scanner channel 
Um, and that that's a big thing when you go to the NASCAR tracks. They have these big trailers where you can rent these these scanners, radios that you can listen to uh, the race on. And it's actually nice to have it because then you can also hear what's going on because with the engines roaring so loud, you can't always hear what's going on. Although I do have to say when you go to the NASCAR track, if you ever go, you have to, on the first lap, you can't have any headphones on because you got to actually hear the roar of the engines. It isn't going to a NASCAR race. If you don't hear that roar, you may be deaf after that first lap, but it, it's just worth it hearing those engines roar as they go by you on the first lap. Yeah, I absolutely. Like one ear protection is so paramount. You can't go to a track without like, it, it's like, I would, I would liken it to be going to 10 rock concerts all in a row in a four hour span. If you don't have ear protection, um, I see, I see people without ear protection there and I'm just like, you know, welcome to tinnitusville. Um, but um, I would, I, and Frank, you're so so right about like listening. I, I, anybody who isn't a NASCAR fan, imagine an NFL game um, and being able to listen to the defensive coordinator talk to the head coach and being able to strategize. And that's the amount of access. I mean, you just buy a scan. I have my own scanner, but you buy you buy a scanner for 40 bucks, you rent this thing. And for 40 bucks, you get to hear everything. You get to hear the the radio call. If you want, you can listen to MRN or uh, PRN or whatever it is. And, and then, but you can dial up all the different race teams and just hear what they're talking about. And I mean, for 40 bucks, that's like, that's, that's totally worth it. Um, in terms of immersive experiences, I've been lucky, Frank, I don't know about you, but I've been really, I've been really lucky in, in some of my immersive experience. I won't, I won't go back to like regular stuff that I, you know, sitting in the stands. Um, I have to buy a, a pit pass. I always have to buy a pit pass now. Um, there's something about walking pit row. There's something walking about walking the track. You get like the imagine being able to purchase access to an NFL football field or a major league baseball diamond before the game. And oh, by the way, being able to say hi to the drivers or to the players, like as they're on the field like doing whatever. I mean, I, I've walked up to people, uh, Daniel Suarez is one of them. And he's like, as like, can I get a quick photo, Daniel? And he's like about to climb in the car two minutes later. And he was like, sure. And you, you get a quick photograph and he's on his way. I mean, it's not like a, a big interaction, you know, or anything like that, but I, can you imagine doing that with LeBron James? Can you imagine doing that, you know, uh, like at, on the Super Bowl Sunday, right? No. And and those those uh, behind the scenes, those pit passes are like seventy five hundred bucks. They're not it's not that expensive mm -hmm. to be able to do that. And then I got to sit. Well, I got I won a contest one time through sports clips and was able to um, uh, Eric Jones was the the driver of of the uh, sports clips car uh, at the time and i got to meet him first of all which was really cool blew my mind I got to meet joe gibbs mm -hmm. uh, but then also i got to sit on top of the 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 pit box during the race and if you could ever like that's like I think it's like a five hundred. That's a five hundred dollar experience if you you get like a you get like a hard card and all this sort of stuff, and you're able to sit on top of the pit box and you're watching the crew like you're watching the head coach, just like, you know they're going all right look at like doing all the the, the things and you're watching the cars go by and you're watching the pit stops, um, if you're ever ever able to do that you know that's a that's also another experience that I would say you can't pass up.
And I I will say too, I've had pit passes before, especially yep. for Michigan International Speedway. I mean, it's just interesting to because just walking on the track itself, the way the track is sloped, and especially you see all those cars race around the, the track there. I mean, that that to me is is just mind-blowing walking and i have to say one of the things i like most about nascar sports i think the athletes themselves the drivers they're some of the most down-to-earth people because they're not um they're not the stuck-up people like your lebron james in in nba basketball i mean like kevin said you can be walking along and you, you might be on the pit and your driver comes walking along and and you can just shout over to them and they'll take a picture with you or they'll autograph something for you. I mean, I can remember one time when I was down at MIS and my dad and I had pit passes, Jeff Gordon walked right by us. And I mean, <laughs> I hollered to him and he turned around and looked at us and took a picture with us. And I mean, it, it was pretty awesome. Yeah. You'll get some, you'll get some cantankerous, you know, drivers sometimes, but the ones that like, it, like it's, it's, it's kind of funny. Even the ones that have like that person, like Kyle Busch, like has that personality of being like a total Royal a-hole, but like if you actually like see him and he's not and he's not wrecked out, it's like before a race and he's all that sort of stuff. He's actually really cool. Like he's like he, he comes up and he's just like he's like, hey, y'all enjoying the track today? You know, all this sort of stuff and makes quick conversation. He's like, all right, see you all later, especially if you've got like uh, when you at the time Eminem's gear on, if you have his gear on or something like they're really at that point, they they it's big time fan service. That's that's one of the things that NASCAR is great about is just the fan service of, um, you know, being able to walk into a track and carry a cooler. I, I can't imagine going to a Washington uh, football game, you know, and Dan Snyder saying, oh, yeah, bring in your own beer, bring in your own food. That ain't happening. That ain't happening. Oh, yeah. And, and the the experience of like the tailgate. Uh, Frank, I don't know how much you've tailgated, but like I've Here. there's sometimes there's sometimes where I don't like I don't tailgate. I just walk around and just find some people and they're like, hey, buddy, come on in. Let's have a drink. And like, you're like, all right, I'm going to have a beer with y'all. And you can like, you know, I don't eat meat anymore, but you could have like they, they have like food just setting out there and everybody could grab a dog, grab a burger, whatever. Like it's like almost like a family at that point of people taking care of each other, which is great. I think the other thing too that's important you're talking about the fan yeah. experience is yeah. every track they have these massive merchandise trailers that you right. that fans and I mean they will be uh, lines of people just waiting to buy their their favorite drivers uh, merchandise and it, it's interesting I mean it's it's really cool to see the yeah. amount of trailers and and the stores and everything that they have there for for NASCAR fans to buy merchandise. It's almost like a it's almost like a circus has come to town for a couple of days and boom, you know, it pops up and it's gone. But like literally it's like it's a carnival atmosphere in a lot of respects and you're and you're just immersed in it. And yeah, anyway, it's just that's I, that's that's actually one of the better parts is that you can party for about seven hours, go into the race, um, you know, it, it various states of mind or whatever, and just enjoy the enjoy the show. And I, I'll also say this too, that many of the NASCAR tracks, they're not always in big cities. Right. In, I mean, take Michigan International Speedway, for example. Doug, you know where yeah. you know where it's at. It's in a little town called Brooklyn. But the amount of money that NASCAR pumps into that little community, I, I don't even dare to think the millions of dollars that get pumped into that local economy yeah. every year. That you of course it used to be twice. Yeah michigan we're 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 praying and hoping that we get a second race back at michigan 
part of the reason I think why we lost one of our races was during the pandemic because of the strict lockdown procedures that Governor Whitmer had here for us during the pandemic and they couldn't race with fans in the stands. But we're hoping, especially being the, you know, the big three automakers here that we get our second race. Our first race always used to be on Father's Day at Michigan and then the other one usually about the first or second Sunday uh, in August. So yeah. Martinsville is my favorite track and, and the there's a train that goes by it. You can you it, like you can watch the the train just like you know go by as the cars are going around. It's surrounded by farmland. I mean, it's like it's literally in the like as you're dri- as you're driving up or you're walking up, there are people's like little brick ramblers. There's like about ten of them on each side, and it's like just somebody's backyard, and they've got like a major auto race happening, you know, right there. It's kind of like uh, Lambeau Field in Green Bay, which is not exactly a major metropolis either. No. But um, so I, for, before we go any further here, I need to apologize for LeBron James, who I understand is a regular listener. I'm sure that Frank didn't mean <laughs> anything by that. Um, kidding. Um, so as we kind of bring this, I guess, toward the checkered flag, if we're going to keep the analogy going here, um I have a couple more questions I wanted to ask. One, I, I know that NBC and Fox share the broadcast rights, correct? Yes. Correct. Yes. Okay. Is Do you have a favored, again, as someone who is not a regular consumer of the sport, is there one that you believe does a better job than the other? neither are willing to commit listeners they're both looking i I, I remember when it used to be three networks that had the nascar because a few years ago it was split between i think three different networks fox always has the beginning portion of the season then there was one time and it was espn had the races too in the middle part of the season um i i mean i've gotten used to the fox reporters uh i mean i like I like the announcers there. I mean, I know NBC usually has Dale Jr. He's fairly good. Um, I mean, I, I like them both, but I, I tend to prefer okay. Fox Sports because that's, yeah. I think that I, I like a, the coverage that Fox puts on air. Yeah. The the Fox, I would say like the, I like the Fox graphics. I think they're, they do the same sticky stuff that they do in football with like, uh, instead of like win Terry's money, they do win Clint's money. Um, you know, they'll have they have what I like about them is the 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 drivers that they bring are um, you know into the booth are are okay. Like I I I can I could give or take on uh, Clint Boyer's uh, sticky you know all shucks attitude type of thing. Um, I think Tony Stewart will probably be a little bit better. If he's in the booth, um, I'm not a big, like, I think, you know, I like Mike joy, but I think he's also lost his fastball. He's a, he's on Fox sports and I'm not a, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Rick. Um, oh shoot. On NBC. Uh, I'm not a big, he's their, he's their call. He's their play by play guy. Um, I'm not a big fan of his, but I do like their production, especially when they do the road course races, they do like a radio style road course race announcing, which is, it just kind of cool where they, where they each yeah. take parts of in the turns. Uh, you know, I think that's like one of the cool features that they have. Um, when you're looking at the race itself, um, I think NBC does a, better job on their cryons um 
you know, uh, in telling you who's where and all this sort of stuff. Um, but to be honest with you, they've crammed, they've crammed it too small. Like both of them have crammed it so small that you can barely see the drivers and the positions now. Um, so I'm kind of, I'm kind of out on those. I like the, the old, the old time when they would just like on a cryon, they would just like run by the, the drivers, you know, and you could see it clearly, you know, how many seconds they were back, what position they were in and all that sort of stuff. Now it's just okay. kind of too jumbled, but yeah. Fair my enough. favorite, my favorite announcer, which used to be on ESPN was Dr. Jerry punch. I really, oh yes. I loved watching mm -hmm. when ESPN had the races and Jerry, Dr. Jerry punch did commentary. He, I loved listening to his commentary of the races. Yeah. I, I actually, I, I was a big Dick Bergeron fan and, um, you know, when he was, uh, when he was doing, but Jerry punch was, was awesome as well. And then I also like, sometimes I will turn, just keep the, the broadcast on like the TV on and I'll flip, I'll find MRN or performance racing network somewhere and online. And I'll listen to the radio broadcast because to me, the radio broadcast is like there it's different voices. So you're, and they're not necessarily commenting on the, the race itself. They're, they're not making, points they're just telling you what's happening so i kind of like that as okay. well and i would tell you if you want other you want to listen if you have sirius xm they've got an ask oh, yeah. on sirius xm sirius yep. xm united they have some, and they have some good shows on there throughout the week it's the only thing i miss about my sirius xm subscription is that is that channel i don't have it anymore so i, I miss the sirius xm nascar station okay well the, this has been um a lot of fun, a lot of information, a lot of download here. It's going to take some time. I'm going to have to check back in. We're going to need to do some wellness checks, I think, as the year goes on. Frank, we're going to have to we're going to have to find a way to take Doug to a race, though. I think, I, like I if, think so. Yeah. If, if it's like Michigan, I don't mind coming up to Michigan. I've never I've never been to Michigan International Ra uh, Speedway. Oh, so you've got to come to Michigan. It's yeah. the fastest track on the circuit. You've got since they repaved it a few years ago. Yeah, 100 percent. Oh, I love I love the speed there. So it's like if if we get Doug to go to something, we can we can get him to go to that. Okay. August, I can tell you the date, August 6th. It's marked right on my calendar. All right. 6, right. 23. Okay. It's it is on my note sheet here. We will make sure it makes it into the show notes too. So we'll have it there. <laughs> Definitely. Um, but before I let you both go, and this is a, maybe an unfair question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, you both have some experiences with some in-person racing. Is there a place that you would like to, a venue that you would like to go and see a race that you have not been to yet? And if so, which one or ones, let's limit it to two, no more than two. You got to choose. Pick your favorite child. Um, where would you like to get to and why? And um, you're both deep in thought. I'm going to count it down. And <laughs> we're going to go to Frank first. Three, two, one. Frank. I would like to say the two tracks that I would like to visit, I would definitely want to get to Martinsville. And the other one I'd like to go to for a race is Las Vegas. Ooh. Okay. So why Martinsville, Frank? Well, Martinsville is a short, it's a short track again. Yeah. Plus I, I've heard, I just love watching Martinsville and the, the way they race at Martinsville. But I have to say the other thing about Martinsville I've heard so much about over the years, I want to go to Martinsville and have a Martinsville hot dog. I hear so much about these hot dogs that they sell at Martinsville. I mean, I remember hearing country music singer Vince Gill talk about how he ate 
12 hot dogs at Martinsville Raceway in one weekend. So, wow. yeah, I, I only got five down in one, one, one day. Um, that was enough. Yeah. And I think Vegas goes without saying, or is there something more to why you would want to go and see a race in Vegas, Frank? I, I love Las Vegas. I've actually had the opportunity to tour uh, the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. A couple of times that I've been out there, we, uh, my husband and I took a tour of, of Las Vegas Motor Speedway. We actually got to race. The lady took us in the van and she took us, before we even knew it, she was racing at 90 miles an hour around the, the main track. So I, I would love to go out to Las Vegas to see a race. Nice. Okay. Kevin, you're up. Yeah, so um, I've I've never been to a road course, so I'd like to go see like Watkins Glen. I think that would be um, it's cool enough in the summer in in New York at that time. It's you know probably like really nice in the seventies and eighties, so it'd be like a nice little experience. Um, you know, have a little wine, sit out and watch the. Uh, although Sonoma is more known for their wine, but. Um, just be able to watch the race from different angles. Uh, that'd be kind of cool. Um, and then I think my last one would probably have to be like Darlington at night. Um, you know, and that's only a six hour drive for me, uh, six and a half, maybe, uh, uh, knowing DC traffic. Um, but uh, it, Darlington at night is like a, a heck of a race. It's on Labor Day weekend, which is solidarity Labor Day. Um, and uh you know get run around um it's a it's a really good car but that, that las vegas one that's a that's like one of the best mile and a halfs so that one that when you said that that's why i said ooh, that's a that's actually a really good one too but i would have to go with my two the watkins Glen and the and uh darlington thank you gentlemen thank you very much this was um very enjoyable for me very informative for me we're going to have to again continue to check in on me as the year goes on Maybe we'll revisit, I assume, because they have every other machination or everything. I'm sure there's a halftime each season or something. So we'll check in at the midpoint or before the playoffs begin to, to see how I'm doing this year. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. you, Doug. You're welcome. Conversations with Sports Fans is a production of the Sports Fan Project. Our theme music is, fittingly, entitled Wooden Championships by Lobo Loco. Please visit our website at thesportsfanproject.com for more information and to contact us. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with other sports fans you know and invite them to give it a listen.